Welcome to Freelance Gems, a podcast designed to help you build a more stress-free, service-based business. On this show, I'll be sharing what I've learned as a web designer and founder of my own brand, Opal Templates, as well as interviewing and learning from the best in the industry. So if you're ready to upgrade from regular freelancing to building a brand on your terms, this is the show for you. Before we start this week's episode, I want to let you know that I am giving away one free mini website audit each week to whoever leaves a review on the Freelance Gems podcast on the Apple podcast platform. I'm doing this because I know reviews are really easy to forget about, but they are absolutely huge, especially on Apple podcasts, for helping the show grow and in turn helping more freelancers build stress-free service-based brands. So if you're interested and you want to help out the show while getting some feedback on your website, just leave a review on the show on Apple Podcasts, and I'll link to where you can do that below in the show notes. And if your review is chosen, it'll get featured either on the episode that week if we're in the middle of an active season or just on Instagram, and then you'll just need to DM me to let me know that it was your review. Then you'll send over your URL and you'll receive your mini website audit packed with tips for your site accessibility website strategy, and design choices in a 90-second reel, so you also get some cross-promotion for your brand on Opal Templates Instagram, too. So if you're interested, please head over there and leave a review. It is super, super appreciated, but without further ado, let's get into the episode. My name is Sayak, um, and I am a digital wellness counselor. Sometimes I also call myself a digital wellness coach, depending on who's listening. But what I pretty much do is I help people find um, balance between you know, tech, life, and work, um, especially for digital professionals, anybody who has to use the internet for their job, technically. So yeah. Okay. I love that so much. I just remember when I found your account, I was like, thank God there's someone actually talking about digital wellness, but for people that kind of need the digital world for their work, because I feel like Mm. we can't just like run into the forest as much as we wish we could. So it's just, it's so cool what you're doing and like bridging that kind of gap. But would you mind explaining more about what digital wellness actually looks like and why it's so necessary today? Yeah, I think especially for people who use social media for work, it's very easy for the lines to get blurry between using it personally and professionally. Um, Even when you know you have to use it for work, it's sort of like really easy to also not use it for work and justify it as work. Um, A really great example of this is like using, like looking at reels for inspiration, but then before you know it, you've gone down a rabbit hole and you haven't done any work um but I think it's so necessary because now it's like social media has become so intertwined with our lives especially as a freelancer so I think there's a really important distinction to make between you know when we're actually using it for work versus when we like versus like trying to figure out what to compare it to but how we actually like how we say we live our lives versus how we actually want to live our lives. And I think for most of us, we spend a lot more time on social media or any other thing, maybe email even more than we would like to. So I think that's a little bit about what digital wellness entails, finding that balance and also what personally feels right to you when it comes to that sort of balance. Okay. So it's more about being intentional with your relationship with technology. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Being intentional. And there's so many, it's such a big, broad topic. So there's so many different ways you can talk about it. But I think the general consensus that people feel or hear when they hear digital wellness is the aspect of it being healthy, being intentional, and also just, yeah, the idea of balance. 
I like that. That's I feel like that's what I've been trying to achieve ever since like I got my first iPad. <laughs> Maybe not back then. Like <laughs> I definitely wasn't like full middle schooler mode at first. But I was like, I don't care. I'll be on Wattpad for eight hours or whatever. But it's like <laughs> Wattpad, yeah. But after a couple of years of that, I feel like I started to be like, ooh, this just this can't be good. Like this is a lot of my time. So to be able to try mm. and like rein that in. I feel like is like the struggle of our generation or one of many, but it's a big one. Yeah, definitely. But I'm curious, what has your own relationship been like with technology? Like, have you always had like tons of self-control and that's why you're helping other people or have you struggled with it too? Yeah, um, I feel like my relationship with technology and social media, I'll use those interchangeably, by the way, so that whoever's listening, they'll know. But I think my relationship with either or, like, it evolves as social media and technology evolves with it. I feel like my relationship to things back then is so different where it is now, because I think I'm trying to give a good example of this. Um, I used to personally feel like I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And I also used to spend a lot of time on Tumblr, especially when I was like a teenager and at the peak of it was like mid 2010s. Um, And it was great, but I also feel like it was such a big coping mechanism for let's say what I lacked in real life. Like I would use Tumblr to find a community of friends, which as much as I appreciated it, I couldn't, I really struggled to find friends um, in real life or in school or whatnot. And I think it was really easy to avoid it and kind of resort to the internet to feel safer. So I think it really depends on how I've used internet throughout different periods of my life. And at this point in my life now, it's not so much I use it to like find communities, which occasionally I will, but now it's like a big part of how I use social media is the fact that I use it for work. And sometimes people will hear about my job and it kind of sounds ironic that like I talk about social media on social media, but I also feel like that's kind of the best place where people can find out about what they can do about social media in a funny way. Um, So yeah, my relationship has changed a lot. I would say like in the past, I wouldn't really, I don't know if I cared about self-control. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I would let it happen and I didn't care about it. Um, But as I got older, I think I really started to think a lot about like what I wanted my life to be about, what I wanted my work to look like. um, And ultimately what this all means about my lifestyle, like how I want to live and how much time I really want to spend on work and also on the things I care about. So it, yeah, it has really evolved over time. And it's like, I still practice boundaries, but my boundaries adapt to how the nature of social media is also changing too. Okay. I like that. And I feel like I've definitely been in the same boat where like, there was a point where I didn't really care. And then all of a sudden I started thinking more about like mortality. (laughs) Oh my God. Not to get too deep or anything. But when you start thinking about that, you're like, oh, my time is finite. And like, it Mm. does matter how I spend it. And I feel like for me, that was the big shift where I was like, when I'm like 90 and about to die, do I want to be like, wow, I'm so glad I spent 6,000 hours. It's just, it's insane how quickly time goes on there. But, but at mm. the same time, I have found like friends and communities and opportunities that I wouldn't without it. So I definitely like your answer of how it kind of just evolves with technology and also with your own life Mm. and then you know if you can be more intentional about it like you're helping people do I feel like that's like the sweet spot where it's like you don't have to just abandon everything because it is such a big part of our lives now but to be able to have control over that and be like I'm going on here for work 
or I'm going on here to learn about this thing instead of just being sucked into like a vortex Mm. that's like that's the dream for me at least yeah of course it seems like you have a good idea of what balance would look like for you personally yeah definitely thought about it a lot but also maybe like relapsed a lot too where it's like dang this was not my ideal way to spend the day but it happened Mm. but I'm curious moving beyond just the struggle with technology for the general public How does digital wellness look different for service providers, freelancers, content creators who use the internet for work versus other people? I think the biggest difference is how we use social media for income. And I think, um, especially if you're a service provider, it's probably the place where you also find your clients and your clients find you. Um, And yeah, the fact that you're a business owner and this is how you get your customers or clients or your buyers makes a big difference in it. I think it creates a bigger pressure to like be online as much as possible to respond to DMs quicker because it kind of feels like if you don't respond quick enough, they might lose interest. You might lose a potential client. And I think the biggest difference is that like these are the little gritty things that we really consciously think about that maybe our non-business friends won't really get or can relate to um, or our non-creator friends because yeah we think about how everything leads to um, how everything goes on the sales funnel where where people first come across us and how we keep them engaged Um, yeah like I feel like it starts to become a little bit more technical becomes a lot more data driven but then we can also I do feel like um freelancers and service providers are more likely to also obsess over the numbers and the metrics and like wondering what's working or not we just have the tendency to be so driven by the data and to know what's working what isn't because again at the end of the day it is directly related to how we make our income so I think that would be the biggest difference about like why we feel this specific like struggle or imbalance between you know, knowing we need this for work, but not knowing how to see or live a life without it at the same time, because it almost really just feels like a threat to the work that we do um, or the, how they, how we make our income. So I think that is like the biggest difference, like the differentiation. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely like a lot more on the line, so to say, when you know, like this person's asking me a question about this product or this service I offer. And like, I need to make sure that they get their answer quickly and all that but do you have any ideas of like little tactics that service providers specifically can do to kind of create better digital boundaries in that way yeah so my question my answer to this is actually a little bit ironic but I think you'll know where I'm going with this so I think I have a lot of clients who initially will come to me telling me that what they want to work on is reducing their screen time. And I think that's a goal for a lot of the people who are listening today. And um, when I ask them, you know, if you could reduce your screen time, what would you be doing with the extra time? People normally say, you know, they'd rather be spending time with their friends or family, all the things that we want our lives to be about before, you know, not to get deep again, but before we die, like we rather be putting our time and energy into the things that we know deep inside matters more to us and the work that we do. And so when people start revealing those things to me about what they would rather be doing their life, like spending their life on, um, whether it's like picking up a new hobby or a new habit, that's when I realize some, one of probably one of the easiest way to dive into setting digital boundaries, it has less to do with trying to find less ways to spend time online and more on trying to build a life that we're proud of, um, which is all to say that it's also kind of connected. The more you spend time on the things you care about, 
at the same time, you are spending less time on social media, ideally, and you also feel good about how you have spent that day. So it kind of has to do with more so on what you choose to spend your time on versus what you're not spending time on. So yeah, that's the biggest thing I'd say. I really like that. I don't know why that never even occurred to me because I've always had the opposite approach where I'm like, okay, delete all my apps, put my phone in black and white or whatever and like try all those (laughs) things as like deterrence instead of thinking of like, I don't know, not replacements, but just what you can add. And that seems like such a, such a better way to do it, like a more sustainable way. So I really like that. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. But on a kind of different tangent, I'm curious, on Instagram, you follow zero people. And I just wanted to know what was like your thought process behind that? How long have you been doing it? And how that kind of changes your experience of the app? Yeah. So um, the fact that I follow zero people is one of the very first things people notice about me. And it makes sense. When you look at my profile and you know that I'm about digital boundaries, it's kind of easy to put together like maybe that is a digital boundary. And that is actually the reason why I did it. It is a little bit more of a radical boundary in the sense that like it is, it's a little bit extreme. It's not the kind of thing that I would recommend anybody just do because there is a lot of fear associated with unfollowing people. And um, I have followed a lot of people that I've been following for years um, or I have unfollowed them. That is to say, it doesn't mean I've broken off the connection. It's just more so like we maintain the connection elsewhere. Because I know that Instagram is my primary platform, that is the place where it's like I can anticipate I see myself spending more time on, but I don't want to get any other things distracting me. So it's like sort of like a radical boundary to preserve my own, like to make sure I don't fall into like another rabbit hole. It also helps me with like the comparison trap. I feel like when I did at one point thought that like, oh, if I follow other positive mental health accounts, maybe not necessarily people in my life that I might compare myself to, but you know, maybe like mental health accounts, I kind of noticed that as a service provider myself and a content creator, I'd actually find myself comparing myself to them in the sense that I would have thoughts like, oh my God, like they're so good at being consistent. I have to step my game up or I have to do what they're doing. And it's also kind of like a constant reminder that I wasn't doing enough. So I feel like by not following anybody, I sort of reap the benefits of like ignorance is bliss because I don't know what other people are working on and what their business goals are. Like, I don't feel like I'm a step behind them or I don't, I feel like it's less likely for me to even have thoughts around that. Um, And I think for somebody who's listening today, it's not that you don't have to necessarily follow zero people like I do. Like I said, it's totally radical and very extreme of me to do. Um, Over time, I just adapted to it. But I think the advice that I can give to people who are listening are to like think carefully about, I feel like when you get, I think the one thing about, let's say in the app, like a plot, like, yeah, an app like Instagram is that they do show you um, in your following list of like people you least interact with and most interact with. And I think if you haven't decluttered your following list in a while, it's probably good to do so. But thinking carefully about like which accounts pop out to the most and which accounts don't necessarily pop out to as much. And then equally, what's important is like what's in between, because I think this will give you a lot of insight um, into like, you know, why certain accounts attract your attention more than others and for what reasons. So yeah, like a really great example of this for me is like when I was going through my unfollowing list and thinking about which accounts I was scared of unfollowing, it actually used to be accounts that had like a lot of followers. I was almost afraid that like if I unfollowed them, I would lose my connection with them. But it's also really interesting how that was also very much of a self-serving concept. Like it's almost as if like, oh, like if 
they <laughs> like um, unfollow me, then I lose my connection with somebody who could have helped me grow my brand or my business. And it doesn't seem right to me. Like, it almost didn't seem fair. Um, it is now, I would say like, it does feel different having that I follow zero people. It's nice to know that my followers are following me, not because of like reciprocal, I can't even say the word, but the reciprocal-osity. <laughs> because it's not, it's not about like, oh, I follow you, so you you have to follow me back. And that's how a relationship works. It's more so like, it's nice to know that my followers are following me because of who I am and what I talk about more so like, um, yeah, like other things. So that's a little bit of a long answer. I would, it's very, it definitely is something to think about in general. But I think, yeah, just think about the people that you follow and for what reasons do you feel like you're following them and what makes it scary to follow them? Like, what are you afraid to lose? It'll tell you a lot about how you choose to follow people and for what reasons. So that's what came up for me when I was kind of decluttering my following list. And yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I like that it kind of changes the relationships, like you said, where, because there's definitely been times where I'm like, okay, I'm following you. You're following me. This is great. But it's like, <laughs> it feels like you get into that thinking more of like how can you almost use someone as like a step up on a ladder exactly much easier that way Mm -hmm. and that's so cool now you know like everyone following you is just following you because they want to follow you yeah it is reassuring it's like wow it's not just because like you and I follow each other back it's more so because you actually care about my content which is really nice it makes me perceive my followers in a different way too has that changed at all like the way you engage with other accounts because I know personally I follow you obviously and I feel like we've like talked over the dms a couple times and stuff and like I almost forgot that like you're not following me because I feel like oh yeah we're like it feels like (laughs) oh we're like mutuals or whatever but like without that like specific little check box marked but like does that mean you like search for like your friends Mm -hmm. or like accounts that you like to talk with a lot or do you just kind of not worry about engagement Yeah. I mean, the whole point of engagement is so that we can make sure we show up sometimes in other people's feeds and stuff like that. Right. So the thing that sucks the most about social media is just like how it's just the algorithm is just getting worse in the sense that it becomes harder for us as freelancers and to reach the people who follow us. So when I think about engagement um, and I think about how I want to show up on people's feeds and for what reasons, I definitely feel like Again, I think part of the reason why I am on Instagram is the benefit that you can DM people versus on TikTok, it's a different platform. It's kind of like you have to go on somebody's Instagram to DM them. Whereas in TikTok, there's not really that much of a feature there, or at least not that I know of. So it's like the what engagement looks like for me is really just being in, like keeping in touch with the people who follow me. Um, and what that looks like is just paying attention to who watches my stories, checking in on somebody that I maybe haven't talked in a while. I do actually initiate a lot of conversations, but so do they. And I think that sometimes people get surprised when I initiate the conversation, but that kind of opens the door. Whereas like, I feel like it's very easy to look at somebody who follows nobody and think that they're very reserved or that like, I don't know, sometimes I worry that people think I might be too good for them, but that's not the case at all. Like I always want to make sure people feel acknowledged when they're coming in, like, or when they find my profile. I think that's a really big step in like building a connection with the people who do follow you, especially the people who actually do get around to seeing your content, because there's also so many followers who don't ever see my stuff um, again, which sucks, but it's also not realistic to reach anybody. Anyways, I do. I like to keep in touch with the people who are paying attention to my work. Um, and it's nice that you can kind of see like who's watching your stories, who's liking your stuff. You start to kind of become familiar with what names are coming in, even if the person doesn't necessarily like DM you or comment on your stuff. At least it's good to know like who is actually still watching it or, or they're coming up in your sequence as opposed to like um, 
yeah, not knowing where you stand in somebody's life. I feel like there are definitely little clues that tell you like who's actually interested in watch, like interacting with your things and that I can be the person to initiate a conversation with them. And yeah, I've actually still like, apart from finding clients, um, I have made fr- friends through my business account actually. And I'd always be surprised that somebody would be willing to hang out with me. Um, even if I don't follow them back, but it kind of doesn't matter at the end because what matters is the fact that we were able to hang out. And like, I think there's a nice aspect of like respect that we both recognize that like sometimes the fact that we don't follow each other doesn't mean anything for a friendship. If we can still form a connection regardless of whether or not we follow each other back, which is great. Um, But yeah, that's what I've noticed in my own experience with it. I really like how it's kind of like shining a light on how silly follows and likes and all those things are. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like doesn't actually matter that much if you like actually talk to each other and have a real connection. But I'm curious, how do you find inspiration for your content if you don't follow anyone? Like do you still find yourself on the explore page or do you just find it totally elsewhere? Yeah. So um, when you talk about inspiration, do you mean like um, the kind of content I make or like, yeah, yeah, I actually want to know a little bit more about that. Yeah. I just want to know like when you're making a carousel or a reel or something, because I know personally, Mm -hmm. I'm always getting inspired by like the other business accounts I follow or at least the Mm -hmm. explore page. Um, So I just wanted to know what that looks like for you without following anyone. Yeah. I mean, I draw inspiration from like multiple places, actually. I think right now, um, first of all, we, reels aren't really a part of my strategy right now. It might be later. So right now I'm, I am making mostly carousels and things like that. Um, and because of that, like I'll find design inspiration through, let's say like Pinterest. Um, and there are a lot of cool designers who follow me. So I will actually like save their stuff. I'll come back to it later. Um, and I'll use their account as reference. It doesn't mean I'm always up to date with what they're posting. But when I see something I like, you know, I want to save it. Or maybe I'll put it over in Pinterest and I can create a board that I can just reference later. Um, when it comes to the actual like copywriting or like what I actually choose to talk about, a lot of that comes from market research. So that could be as simple as just like asking, like making a question box like on Instagram and just asking people like, a little bit about what they're struggling with and then me thinking about like how I might want to approach that or how I might want to talk about it through a post um, visually or through text and whatnot. So yeah, I, I did a combination of both. I find my design stuff from um, Pinterest and then I also find what I want to talk about in terms of copywriting from the actual words that my audience is telling me and using and like dropping in the comments and whatnot. So yeah. Okay. That's so smart. That's always the best content or just any place you can get inspiration from anyway is just what your audience is actually looking for so that's Mm -hmm. I need to do more of that because then that's a different experience than like telling yourself oh I need to go on the explore page for an hour (laughs) or something (laughs) versus just like actually asking your people what they want but I also know while we're talking about Instagram you quit social media for a year right Mm -hmm. what was that like Can you explain kind of like what the catalyst was and what that experience was like, as well as like what you learned from that? Yeah. So it's a bit of a loaded topic as there's so many things I can talk about. So I'll keep it concise um, for today. But it 
Oh my God. I have so many great positive things to say about it. And it's one of those things that I'm so glad I did. So for the record, um, sometimes people wonder if I was working on social media at the time or not. I was not. I was actually just using social media personally. And I just found that like the algorithm was showing me a lot of triggering content or things that I would felt normally sensitive to no, sensitive to than I would normally be. And that was because I was going through a breakup during that time. It was around New Year's and I kind of realized that I was using my phone to cope. And I didn't like the way I was spending my holidays. Like it really was just like trying to numb myself out. Um, and what would happen is like social media would really just make myself feel worse. So if I'm seeing content around relationships or other people's relationships, um, I would take it personally, like whatever I believed about myself, especially like any negative beliefs, I would like kind of feel like I'd see content on social media that would confirm that it's true. And I think that is a little bit of the dangers of like the algorithm, right? Like we love that we get to see things that are so personal to us, but when it hits us in the wrong, like in an opposite way, like where we don't feel so good about ourselves, it can get a little, it can get a little bad. And so what the catalyst was because it was around new year's, I will say it was kind of an impulsive decision for me to be like, I'm going to quit for a year. Like I'm going to get off. Like I knew I wanted to get off, but like, I guess like, because it was New Year's, I'm like, I'm going to do it for a year. And I honestly, like two weeks in, I was wondering like, huh, like I made my goodbye post, but was that really a good idea? Like, can I really do this? But then I was like, you know what? I'll stick, I'll stick around for the ride. Like, let me, let me go, like, go ahead and do it. Um, so the whole experience of it was like, you know, the first three months initially was a little bit tough. It's like, I'm adapting to a lot, like a, basically a new way of living, um, or, or finding alternatives for where I would normally find my news or my current events. Um, I used to use Twitter to find out about concerts and now I actually just use newsletters. I still use newsletters to this day. So that helps me kind of like figure out where I can get concerts and at the right time. Um, but yeah, the first three months were tough and the rest of the year, if I'm being honest, like I just kind of got used to it, like used to not being on it. Um, and I found so many things to fill my time with. So in a nutshell, you know, some of the things I got to do that year is, um, I read, okay. So I read a lot of books that kind of became my replacement for my phone. Actually, like, for example, I got a Kindle and it was, it felt really nice to be able to like read long form content as opposed to skimming through like a bunch of like people's thoughts for the day. Um, and that felt really nice. It felt like I learned a lot. I read mostly books about social media because I started to get more curious about it, but that felt really good. I felt, I just felt smart. <laughs> and I do have a lot of clients who also like feel like they have a hard time picking up a book now than let's say 10 years ago. And a lot of that is also has to do with like how social media has shortened our attention span. So I'd say I'd also feel really good about how was, I was kind of growing my attention span because it felt really good to be able to read nonstop without like, like dozing off or like whatnot. Um, I also learned how to speak Spanish that year. That was actually one of my intentions for the new year that I wanted to pick up a third language. And I did. Um, I was actually studying abroad the same year that I quit social media. And so I used every opportunity when I was in Costa Rica to just like practice Spanish as much I can, as much as I can. Um, I journaled a lot. I definitely, when I say I pick up a lot of new hobbies, I definitely did that. And um yeah, it was a very fun, eventful year. And I have so many things I feel like I've walked away feeling proud of. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from that year was the fact that like all these things that I thought were initially hard to do can be possible for me. And that's actually a big part of what I want my audience to feel too. That it doesn't mean like you have to like quit for like a day, a week, a month, or even like a year like I do to see actual real change in your life. It's the fact that like, it starts with like making time for the things that you care about. And from there, it kind of becomes like a ripple effect or it becomes like kind of like a snowball, like, like it just goes from one, like maybe the domino effect. I don't even know what the word is to describe this, but like you start getting great in one thing. You feel really good about the fact that you feel like you're getting better at it. And then you want to do more and kind of like 
keeps on going. So it's a really nice, um, I feel like fast forward to now, even though I still, now I am on social media. Um, I have picked up so many new things this year that I can get into another time, but it feels great to know that all these things are possible for me. And at the same time, it helps me get off of social media when I don't want to be on it. So, yeah. Wow. That sounds so cool. I just, I'm like jealous, but (laughs) that sounds so cool. I love that after the three months, it just felt easy because I was curious. I was like, I wonder what the like withdrawal period would be like, because I do feel like it very much Mm. is like an addiction for a lot of us. But Mm. um, yeah, that's just, it's really cool to hear that you did that and that it worked so well for you. But I'm curious, has it changed your habits with social media sense like do you find that you're just a lot less attached to it or do you still have to kind of like prepare for it now that you're back online yeah that's a good question I think it comes back to what I mentioned earlier where I feel like my boundaries with social media evolves as social media is evolving um so I kind of feel like yeah I do feel like my the way I experience social media now is so different first of all I do follow different people I have um different intentions now that I know I use it for work I feel like I am a lot more self-conscious about what I want to post and for what reasons. Whereas before it's more so like, let me just try to prove to everybody that my life is fun. (laughs) Like, because like to my friends, that's what I wanted to kind of show. Like, I just want to know, I want people to know that I'm doing something. Whereas now it's like, if I want to show people what I'm doing, whether it's through my stories, through like reels or anything, it's more so because I want my audience to feel inspired. And I do feel like it's actually helped me. I feel like I'm able to figure, pull out the reasons why I love social media and really like take advantage of that. Like remember why I'm on here in the first place. But at the same time, I also remember, um, I also feel like it's a good reminder to remember that my life isn't everything. Like not everything has to be about social media at the same time. And I think it's just so, I feel like having a healthy relationship with social media is so subjective. At least that's what I've seen across my clients because there's no one way to have a good relationship. It's really just paying attention to what personally feels good to you and you know what you want to leave out and how to make time or <laughs> not make time for like things that don't matter to you. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like that. So I think like, I don't have a straightforward answer for this because it really just looks so different day to day. But I know that on the days where I spend less time on social media, I always feel better. Like each time I spend like a full day in front of my computer, I feel like I didn't do much of my day. Even if it is for the sake of work, like I kind of feel like, I don't know, it just feels really unfulfilling that I didn't do anything other than be on my computer. So for every minute that I spend not being on my computer, it feels so good. Like, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I actually did that, did that for a moment, even if it was for a little bit. So I just try to find those little more, like more pockets of time where I'm just not on my computer. So that's really what makes the biggest difference for me now. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of reminding me of like dog training. Cause I'm training my dog right now and we're trying out, um, like positive only training. So it's all about like, mm. you know, adding, in. I'm very familiar. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it definitely feels like the difference between, like, punishing someone or punishing a dog by, like, being like, okay, I have to, like, stay off my phone for this long or whatever versus just, like, adding in hobbies or, like, things that are physical and off of the computer. So I really like that. But I'm also curious, I know you just said that breaks aren't everything. Like, you definitely don't need to, like, leave for a year or a week or anything, even though you said that. I'm personally just so interested in breaks, even if they're small ones. So I was just Mm. curious if you had any advice on how online freelancers can take those breaks 
maybe is it for like the evening or for a weekend or something and just kind of Mm. what that might look like. Yeah. So one of the things um, I'll send over to you and I'll link is this new challenge that I'm creating and it's called the digital hiatus challenge. And what I want people to know about this, um, especially for people who are thinking about taking a break for the first time, is that there's a couple of things that talk about in the challenge that makes it easier for you to kind of decide for yourself, like what do you feel like person feels realistic, but also just enough to be rewarding. Um, so the challenge kind of gives off, kind of describes like maybe taking a day off, but you can decide whether you want it to be for a couple hours, whether you want it to be a certain time of your day, or whether you want to just take off a day from like social media or from your phone. It's really up to you. But the whole takeaway is to make sure that the way, like when you do think about taking a break from social media, it's finding what you feel like would be the right balance between what's realistic and at the same time rewarding. And so for example, let's say you're not trying to be on social media, like when you wake up first thing in the morning, um, what would you rather be doing instead that would make you feel like, wow, like you actually got off your phone, but you also went outside and that made you feel good. So it's sort of like, it comes back down to that. And I think The reason why I put it to a day or less is because it's just enough where like, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but a day is like also really, really hard, but in a funny way, it's also like enough to make you feel like you actually did something because it was hard. Um, Like you overcome something. Um, You talked about a little bit about like withdrawals and relapses. And I think that's my hesitance. That's where I have a little bit of hesitance around breaks because the work around withdrawals and relapses actually has to do a little bit more around like how we talk to ourselves with self-criticism and self-compassion and also that it's not necessarily our fault that these things happen so it's like you can take a break but if you choose to take a break and let's say you find that you slip up which you know is it could happen I'm not going to say it won't if it does happen I think it's really important to have self-compassion for yourself in that moment because we just have so many associations with our phones so like if it's it could happen right but it doesn't mean that you couldn't live up to your goals or like whatever you want to do. It just means you were trying your best. And that's really all that matters for the day. So um, that is would be my advice for people who are taking breaks. Like just think about what would be more like the most realistic thing, but also what would be rewarding. And usually the easier you start off, um, the better it is for you to feel like you've actually like, it's easier for you to kind of like, hmm, like almost like reach a sense of accomplishment as opposed to like setting high expectations for yourself and then realize you can't meet them. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I definitely have been the kind of person that like, if I catch myself on my phone for a couple hours, I'll be like, Oh my God, the day is ruined. It's over. And then that Mm. just makes you like use it more. I feel like. So having that (laughs) self-compassion would be really nice. That's something I should, I should definitely do more of, but I'm also curious you mentioned like not going on your phone first thing in the morning. What kind of daily little habits can you incorporate to spend less time on your phone like that? Like, is it all about your morning routine or do you do little things throughout the day? What do you think are the best habits for that? Yeah. Oh my God. I love this question. I also kind of notice a pattern across the kind of habits that people in my audience want to build. So I'll point out a couple that I feel like might be helpful. First of all, there's this quote that I came across once that I really love. And it's like, how you start your day is how you start your life. And I think what's so beautiful about that is like, it kind of is a reminder that like this day could be probably like the longest, slowest, most wonderful day of your life, as long as you choose to come in with that intention. Um, And I think sometimes we forget when we're like in the, when we're caught up with stress or like, or we're like, I don't know, already like really nervous about the day. Like it's so easy to forget that our day has a potential to be so much better than we think it could be. And so I feel like the first couple hours of your day is such a great way to kind of like 
create that intention for yourself, but also feel like you've had like a big win because you've already made time for yourself. And then you can dive into like whatever work you have to do for the day. Um, and instead of, let's say like diving into like your email first thing in the morning and then thinking about what you have to get done. And then there's no time left over for yourself because you were so caught up with, you know, falling into the cycle and whatnot. So like, when it comes to habits and hobbies and things like that, that I recommend doing in the morning, um, it depends. Um, I think for people who are thinking about trying to grow their attention span, um, reading is good. Journaling is good. And meditation are, is, is also really good. So those are great hobbies to get into. And um, not hobbies, habits. I kind of use those interchangeably, but you know. Yeah. Um, if it's a good day outside, let's say the weather's nice, which, you know, it won't always be nice. But if it is. I feel like one of the things that personally helps me is like when I go out for a walk. Um, I also recently got into skateboarding. So I also feel like it's really great when I get, when I get the chance to realize I made time for practice, but I can still go outside at the same time. So it's kind of like a two in one deal in a way. Um, But yeah, going outside is something that I feel like is so attainable, but we don't think of doing it in the morning. We kind of wait around till our work days over to do it. So yeah. Um, those are a couple that comes to mind. I'm sure that there's more, but those are also the common ones that I see people mostly wanting to come in and focus on. Oh, and also exercise. It's also one of those things, mm-hmm. but yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I feel like whenever I like even just read in the morning and I don't do any other fancy habits or hobbies, that just helped me so much. I did that for like a month and I need to get back into it. For some reason, I have this excuse where I'm like, oh, but I don't want to put my glasses on in the morning. But also, I definitely stare at my phone without my glasses on, too. So, like, mm. the excuse doesn't really add up. But, <laughs> it, yeah, that's just one of the things I tell myself. But I want to start doing that again. But before we wrap up, I'm curious, what is one piece of advice you'd give to an online service provider wanting to start prioritizing their digital wellness more? Yeah, the biggest piece of advice I would give to really anyone who's listening is to, you know, if you were to reduce your screen time, think about what you, what we would do with the extra time now that you have it. And then I want you to kind of think about like how you can make that happen for yourself. Cause like one of the big, big things we talked about today is that, you know, we can sit down and talk about all the ways you can set boundaries, like, you know, try to not use an app and whatnot. And that is like, if we're trying to reduce our screen time, that is a much harder approach to do it because it takes a lot of resistance. It takes a lot of willpower. It doesn't come naturally and easy to everybody. But when you try to orient it so that you focus on um, what you'd rather be doing, which indirectly will also still reduce your screen time, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more exciting. It's also a lot more intentional. It gives you a sign of progress that you feel like, wow, like I actually do have the time to do what I want or care about. And I actually did make the time for it. And I'm so, so glad that I did it. And that's at the end of the day, that's how I want people to feel that it's about like, you know, normally we come in and look at our social media habits as like, like we just feel so much guilt, like, oh my God, like we spent our whole day on this today. But when we try to make time for just even one thing, it makes us feel better about how we have spent our day today. So definitely look at this in terms of what can you make? How can you take the steps forward to um, make time for something you care about? For me, one thing that helps me in my day-to-day life is scheduling classes for hobbies or habits, because not only am I learning a new skill, but I'm learning about myself through that skill. Like, what am I afraid of? Like, where... Um, what like what can I learn about myself and also it kind of gives me a reason to leave my house plus if it's a class that I paid for it almost like makes sense not to want to miss it so it kind of keeps me accountable at the same time um that's one tip or advice I have for getting yourself out of the house and scheduling stuff in and so that make things you can make things happen 
But at the end of the day, yeah, it's really just about like, think about what you want to make time for, what what it is that you want to make time for. And naturally, you're probably going to spend less time on social media that day because of that one thing. So yeah. Perfect. That was beautiful. I couldn't, I can't even add anything to that. That was so great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but where can everyone connect with you after listening to this episode? Yeah, the two best places to find me is first my website. Um, it is literally just my first name. It's syak.com. And the second thing would be my Instagram. That is the best way to like send me a message, you know, get to know what I talk about and whether my content resonates with you. And that would be my first name and my last name. So that's Sai Krakeep. And yeah, those are those that's where you can find me.